Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I am your host, Will McFadden. And we've got football back in our lives. It's a really exciting time. And here to help me recap the first four days of Atlanta Falcons training camp is Kevin Knight of the Falcolic and one of the, if we're being honest, true celebrities of the first four days of training camp. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, did, did your head fit inside of the door as you were walking into the room to record this podcast? Yeah, you know, I'm going to have to increase the size i'm gonna have to do a little cutout where i can walk through because uh, it's getting really big now of all this praise that's been heaped on me so you know i took a couple selfies now you know i'm the next i'm the next big celebrity so i gotta you know it's an adjustment you know for me uh getting used to the fame but i i like to think that i can handle it you know so it's like the old uh, antebellum days when they had the big hoop skirts right you know and they had to make the the double doors to to enter that that's what we're gonna need uh need in your place or in the uh you know where you're staying in your visit for Atlanta because you came down here for Atlanta Falcons training camp representing the Falcoholic uh, in, in all of its greatness. And I really just want to start there. But after this quick break, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, combat sports like MMA and boxing, esports like video games, obviously, and even golf. Winner Live Tour, PGA, probably both. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50, that's B-L-E-A-V-5-0, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. I want to get your thoughts on everything that you saw from the first four days of camp. I was up there and we, we got to finally meet in person on Saturday uh, with, our, with our friend Adnan and just kind of broke it all down. It was a lot of fun to be back there and, and get the energy from this team. Great practice. So let's start right there, though. First four days, no pads. Obviously, like it comes with that big asterisk. But what were your big picture takeaways? I think the biggest one is probably that uh, that Marcus Mariota looks good, you know, like he looks like a good <laughs> quarterback. Um, and like not that I ever thought he would be a bad quarterback, but certainly the national landscape thought he would be a bad quarterback. I mean, you know, he was ranked 31st in the athletics poll or whatever, which yeah. is really disrespectful uh, <laughs> considering who was ranked ahead of him. Um, but it's like people, and it's all about recency bias, right? I mean, I, it, it is what it is. Like, I don't expect people to go watch, you know, all of Mariota's plays with the Raiders, you know, national people. People don't have time for that or whatever. But you know, people forget, like, in his the season he got benched, he had nerve damage in his hand, you know, like that, that's mm -hmm. a freak injury that's going to affect how you play, obviously. Um, and the year before he was dealing with the lesser version of that injury, injuries have sort of always been the thing with him, but on the field, Mariota has not been a bad quarterback. Uh, he's, he has a, a good positive touchdown to interception ratio. His career record for the hashtag QB wins crowd is 29 and 32 drastically better than another NFC South quarterback that seems to be <laughs> very hyped which who is Jameis Winston who has a drastically losing record Marcus Mariota is nearly 500 um probably not going to fix that this year in Atlanta for being honest but you know uh <laughs> maybe another year could get there <laughs> but uh he's been sharp you know he looks in command the familiar offense I'm sure is is a boon to him hitting the ground running but he looks healthy. He looks confident. He's saying all the right things in, in, in the pressers, right? That like, you know, mm -hmm. he's not here on an ego trip. He's happy to get a chance to start again. You know, he didn't know if he would. And he's going to help Ritter as much as he can. But he's also going to try to prove to the NFL that, look, I was the number two overall pick. I can still be a starting quarterback in this league. 
I just need a chance. And the Falcons are giving him that chance. And ultimately, I don't think it will be Mariota that is the catalyst for a poor season in Atlanta on offense. Uh, I think I think Mariota will be just fine. He's shown off his legs. You know, he scored a touchdown yesterday. He had a couple scrambles for first downs. And honestly, mm-hmm. the running hasn't been a big part of what he's done in training camp so far, or really just the last two practices. But you can see the talent there. You can see the athleticism. Um, and to me, it's like, can he stay healthy? And can this offensive line do anything to keep him that way? That's that's the big concern, really, for me right now. Because and I'm sure we'll talk about it next. You know, the receivers, the receivers yeah. also look way better than expected. So yep. really, it's just the offensive line is the big dark cloud hanging over this whole offense right now. Well, I, I know that. And you honestly just kind of reminded me of this previous thought that I've had that I can't believe, you know, I haven't recycled at some point so far with with Marcus Mariota being here. But Everybody kind of compares him, I think, in in a same tier as you know, Jimmy Garoppolo or, you know, like a Ryan Tannehill, who obviously the connection is there from Tennessee. I really view Marcus Mariota as like a Tyrod Taylor or a Tarod Taylor, I guess, is is Tyrod, how the, yeah. the correct way to say it. But it's Mariota. It's, it's Mariota, right. Yeah. It's Leviosa. It's taken me like three pods uh, <laughs> to get it right. Yeah. It's- <laughs> but but it's it's one of those where, you know, the the I don't think that that Tarod Taylor was ever truly like a just god awful spot starter for teams. And I think in a lot of ways, like really poor injury luck has colored the way that we viewed his career. But there were stretches there where he was playing pretty well. You know, in Buffalo, he had them kind of on a roll to, to be a playoff team. And there's a reason why we all sit here and we know Nathan Peterman's name because they randomly benched to Rod Taylor to, to start him and it just absolutely blew up in their face. So there's that upside, I think, for Marcus Mar- Mariota this year where it, it probably could look better than people are expecting. And I do think that the running ability that both he and Desmond Ritter bring, there were multiple times on Saturday where it looked like, for all intents and purposes, in a game, it could have been a coverage sack. But because of their athletic ability, you know, it at least turns into a four yard gain. And especially because they were doing a lot of red zone and goal line work on Saturday. Oftentimes it turned into, all right, there he is, uh, the front pylon beating a linebacker kind of to the spot, stretching out and there's a touchdown. You know, that that's something that for as much as Matt Ryan was willing to scramble in moments, and I think he was savvy enough and had a good sense of when he needed to use his legs to get some yardage. It just wasn't his game, right? And and they're going to have a little bit more of that element, I think, in this offense with both Mariota and Desmond Ritter, whoever they decide to turn to in any given week. So, yes, I I think that what I saw from him, I was really uh, impressed by more the legs than the arm. It, some inconsistency, at least on one day, and that's a small sample size, but you could tell it took him a little while, I think, to really get in a groove. And then he started delivering some really nice balls. But I don't know if the the pinpoint accuracy is going to be the way it was with Matt Ryan. That's fine. Every quarterback has their strengths and weaknesses. But you mentioned the offensive line. And one of the key things I think that Arthur Smith said uh, over the first four days was this is a position group that they don't have solidified yet. Really, it's just Jake Matthews and Chris Lindstrom who you could pencil in. I think Kayla McGarry is trending more in that direction of being a starter, which is not necessarily surprising. But there's certainly some competition on the offensive line. However, that is a spot they want to get solidified sooner rather than later because of the importance of building chemistry and familiarity uh, on that spot. What, what has stood out to you from the offensive line so far? Any surprises, any disappointments? Just what, what have you seen? I, I was surprised how legitimate it seems like Elijah Wilkinson's bid for left guard is. Um, I think we were all sort of like, are they really not going to bring in anyone to fight Jalen Mayfield? Like, <laughs> yeah. not literally fight. There were fights yesterday. That's not what there I'm were. talking about. But there were. Um, between you and me. But yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we had some, there was some takes that came out of your mouth. I had to slap you, right? No, <laughs> some fisticuffs. But, uh, <laughs> some fisticuffs, yep. Uh, we got inspired by the the Dean P speech, you know, that, that really fired <laughs> us up. But um, it, like, I, I'm surprised that Elijah Wilkinson has gotten three starts. Like I figured mm-hmm. like with Drew Dahlman and Matt Hennessy, they've gone back and forth every day. That's not surprising. Um, that's going to be 
probably the most contentious battle like that that both yeah. guys have a really good shot at at left guard it was like Jalen mayfield started the first day we were like oh okay well Jalen mayfield's you know the favorite and then elijah wilkinson got a start i was like oh, okay well they're gonna at least give wilkinson you know some reps to shut us up you know that there wasn't a competition <laughs> or something. and then elijah wilkinson has remained the left guard for the past two days he's three out of four days it's been elijah wilkinson i think the line has looked better with wilkinson in there it's obviously hard to really pin down with no pads. You know, it's sort of like it feels like it's better. There's not like a lot of plays you can point to um, that first day that Wilkinson was in there. There was a lot of really effective runs off the left side with from Damian Williams. So, mm-hmm. again, not fully padded, no full contact. So really, it's it's hard to evaluate. It's more of a gut feeling. But and maybe it's just because, you know, I'm just a Jalen Mayfield hater or something. I don't know. But I, I do want him to succeed. It's just like it's nice that there there does appear to be some level of competition there. Um, you know, it. In some ways, Elijah Wilkinson is like just as much of, of an unknown, untested quantity at left yeah. guard. Uh, yeah. He hasn't really played left guard in the NFL, to my knowledge. He's played left tackle. He's played right tackle. He's played right guard. Um, so it's not like he's very versatile. He's played guard and tackle. He's played on the left side. So it this isn't as drastic a shift as like a Jalen Mayfield going from right tackle, which is all he played in college, to left guard. Uh, in like two weeks at the end of training camp because they played on a right tackle for two weeks for some stupid reason. You know, people getting hurt. Like, sign, sign a body off the street. Don't make Jalen Mayfield play like three positions in camp in his first <laughs> NFL camp. But, right. um, but you know, it. it so I, that has been surprising to me. And the other surprising thing is like we haven't seen Jermaine Effetti at all. Um, yeah. I don't know if we will. You know, I, I'm shocked that he, so I'm in he a hasn't fight gotten rotated. Right. He def- and that was not surprising <laughs> based on what we've heard about Jermaine Fetty that he is quite a character. Um, but so I'm surprised there hasn't been more any rotation, I guess, at right tackle. But left guard also having little rotation, but it not being Jalen Mayfield just for being handed the job that that has surprised me more. Um, I think it's a good thing. And if Jalen Mayfield does actually win, like that would make me feel a little bit better that he was able to fend off what seems like it might be a spirited competition from Elijah Wilkinson, who to his credit has been like a solid starter at various times mm-hmm. in his career. Um, so he's also not like, he's also fairly young. And so is Jermaine Effetti. Like, I think everyone feels like Jermaine Effetti's like going to be 30 plus. Cause he's been, Jermaine Effetti's almost the same age as Caleb McGarry because he was a super young rookie. Um, so it's like these guys, they still have potential, um, you know, I think we'd all feel better with like an Eric Flowers signing and maybe that will still happen. They have a lot of money that they could decide to just. Did to you just say they have a lot player. of money? Well, they do. They have like Did 11 million, just right? come out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> they got 11 million. That's enough for a starter, right? So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's enough to sign a starter. So that that's right. what I mean by a lot of money. You're you're at the end. You're at camp. You've got your your everyone you need under contract. You have enough money to sign a starter to even sign like a good starter. Mm-hmm. You know, they're probably not going to spend more than like seven million because they want to carry like four or five into the season. Yeah, you, you need that just but for yeah, injury yeah. attrition. They're not going to go like out that. and sign like some guy that's 10 million plus just because they can. Like maybe if they mm-hmm. trade Debo, you know, maybe that would free it up. But perhaps. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we'd all feel better with like, a, oh, Eric Flowers. He was like a one of the top 15 guards in the NFL last year. Like that would obviously make me feel better. But I'm not yeah. I'm not expecting that like this. We all know this is a rebuilding year. They're probably not going to go all out to sign expensive veterans to to fill to fill gaps on this team because if we're being honest with ourselves, no matter how impa- impassioned the speeches are from DPs, and they were very impassioned, like I was fired up. But um, in reality, this team is not really a a Super Bowl contender. Maybe they'll surprise and be a playoff contender. I don't think the Super Bowl is realistically in their range of outcomes. But you know, people said that about the Bengals last year too. So anything's possible, right? Um, but it. it <laughs> It's very unlikely, I guess we'll say, that they'll be a, a true contender. And uh, this this means it's a good... What they're looking to do on the offensive line and probably pretty much every other position that they don't have entrenched players at is like, can we unearth someone here? And if not, we're yeah. adding them to the list for 2023. Um, and, and they've got a lot of young guys. They've got a lot of veterans looking for a second chance. The hope is that like you get three to five of these guys that hit. And you're like, okay, we have some more building blocks. Most mm-hmm. of them aren't going to hit, but some of them might. And that's that's what we're hoping for right now. The reason why I, I don't necessarily think that they're going to throw eight million dollars at, you know, uh, a pass rusher to come in or what. It seems like they and this is going along the lines of what Dean Pease and Arthur Smith kind of said yesterday. And it just seems, you know, to be their MO so far a year plus in to this uh, regime is 
they're very intentional, I think, about the character of the players that they want to bring in, which is not surprising. A lot of times when you've got a new coaching staff or whatever, they're going to bring in guys they're familiar with. They're going to say that they're bringing in, you know, the veterans who know what to do, who don't need the motivation. That was a big part of Dean Pease's kind of uh, press conference yesterday was Bill Belichick and Nick Saban don't say shit before games. They don't need to because the guys need to self-motivate. You want the right people in here who have the drive, who give a damn, who can get that to come from within. And so I think that they have been very, very precise in the types of players they want to bring. So I, I kind of feel like if there was that player out there right now that they knew was an A plus locker room guy and, you know, a, a B plus on the field athlete that was available for six and a half million dollars. They probably would have pulled that trigger already. Um, but that does not mean that I, I don't agree with you and think that this team can maybe surprise a little bit this year, because I think that the floor of the roster and, and a key talking point of Arthur Smith's, you know, throughout all of his press conferences is just the rate of attrition that happens during an NFL season. We saw that maybe most with the Falcons receiving core last year, where you got down and was like, oh, cool. Alameda Zacchaeus is our number one receiver on the roster. And uh, honestly, like who's our, even our number two, <laughs> like it was a little right. bit of, of that last year. Now there's still certain spots on the roster where that could easily happen very, very quickly. But I think that they've got better depth pieces in place where they can withstand that a little bit more. And I think receiver is a key spot uh, for exactly that, because you saw guys like Auden Tate, one handed catch kind of in the back of the end zone yesterday was really impressive. Uh, Brian Edwards got got dinged up. Uh, no word yet from the team looked, you know, a right arm, something, maybe shoulder, maybe wrist, maybe hands, something like that. But left practice uh, a little bit early to get checked out on it. Still waiting word. But I really liked what he was doing pre all of that happening. Demir Bird had a really nice connection with Marcus Mariota on maybe what was his best throw of the day, which was kind of a 17 yard right down the middle on a dig route that he kind of went to his third read. And Demir Bird made that play. Obviously, Kyle Pitts, Drake London, the headliners there. But what did you see from the receivers this week? And why does it seem like you're a little bit, you know, maybe optimistic about about this group? Yeah, I. uh I like what I've seen, um, I, and it's, it's exactly what you said. The, the depth is way better. Like last year, the Falcons had like a bunch of wide receiver fours and Calvin Ridley. <laughs> yeah. And like Calvin Ridley went down and it was like, oh, we have a bunch of wide receiver fours. Shit. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> like, a, um, and, and it was it was a disaster. Uh, and, and with their financial situation, it's like you don't blame them. Like, there's not much you can do. Your star goes down. That was your that was your guy. Right. You don't have many other options. And, and Russell um, Gage was injured on and off throughout the year as well. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And Gage, to his credit, really did pull his weight. Like he, he stepped he up, stepped man. in. Mm -hmm. He funk. I mean, he was playing at like a wide receiver two level, which was the, I think the best he's played in his career, really, with nothing else out there except Kyle Pitts taking like double and triple coverage most of the time. But right. Um, it's the receiving core. I think is going to be fine this year. I, it could be better than fine. And I know people are hesitant to put too much in Drake London, which he's a rookie receiver. Rookie receivers often hit a wall at some point. Like I, I'm not expecting him to be like, "Oh, Drake London, 1400 yards or whatever." That's gonna be Kyle Pitts. But um, you know, <laughs> yeah. Um, part of it is that like this is probably not going to be a high volume passing game. It'll probably be higher than you would think because they're they may or may not be behind in games, and that obviously increases passing volume. I think in in like Arthur Smith's mind, it would probably be like a 60 40 pass run split, which. For the record that's like fairly run heavy in today's nfl <laughs> um, absolutely absolutely so like but i think they would want that to be more tennessee like with the run game and a lot of that has to do with the effectiveness of the run game too but if you know brian edwards has looked good drake london has looked great drake london has been the star most of these days uh which is what fans were he had a, he had a quiet day one and everyone was like oh what's going on with drake london i was like oh Us. my god like <laughs> oh my god and then day two he was like the best offensive player day three day four he's been very heavily involved you know yesterday he had like three touchdown catches yeah. um poor poor mike ford like i think there was a coverage breakdown and he just got he just got annihilated you know drake was wide open and everyone's like you know dunking on mike ford 
Um, it's not really his fault. DMPs did say they installed like a bunch of new coverages. And DMPs so came to Mike Ford's yeah. defense a little bit. When yeah. I asked him about Casey yeah. Hayward, he was like, and we got Mike Ford in here, you know, better, yeah. like knows what he's doing, all that says. So I was, you know, I, I, he came to his defense yeah. a little bit. Yeah, he yeah. did. He, Mike Ford doesn't deserve it. He's played well. He's played well through <laughs> camp. But like Drake London has played really well. Um, you know, I think he's going to be very heavily involved. Uh, and you've got. Brian Edwards, who I think is a respectable wide receiver, too. You know, he's never really yeah. had to, to take on that mantle um, because of the Raiders receiving core. He's been sort of relegated as a reserve um, and maybe wide receiver three sometimes. But, you know, it, he hasn't had an opportunity really to to be that guy. He looks like that guy so far. Um, mm-hmm. Great hands, great size. And, you know, in terms of the other options, I think they're all like intriguing wide receiver three types, you know, like. Alameda Zacchaeus, you could tell the coaching staff loves him. He's he's in that top three for sure. Like they they love Zacchaeus. Like he mm-hmm. he's clearly above everyone else that's not named Drake London or Brian Edwards. Like he's with those two guys and in a separate tier. So everyone that's right. like, oh, Zacchaeus, you know, is he gonna make it? Oh, yes. He's I would say he's a roster lock for sure. Um, and it makes sense if you look at the contract, they gave him 2.4 million on that tender, which is the most of any receiver not named yeah. Drake London because of his first round pick. So um so Zacchaeus has looked good. He had like he was so close to that deep touchdown. That would have been like one of the best clips of the whole day. Uh, yeah, but it was yeah, like a fingertip away. Um, he split both probably, Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins, yeah. who, you know, we'll get to yeah. in a minute. Uh, but it yeah. was a beautiful. I mean, by three or four yards, had yeah. some separation yeah, was, in the back of the end zone. Yeah. And just the throw, I think, was on point. I think Zacchaeus didn't get exactly where he was supposed to be. And that's not surprising. Right. We'll talk about the deep ball. That's probably been the part of the offense. It's been the least reliable so far, which mm-hmm. again, it's day four of camp. This is very expected. <laughs> you know, the, the, Mariota's hasn't thrown to these guys for more than like a handful of days at this point. So like that, the deep ball is the thing that comes last, but um, all these guys, like the top guys, like I think they look good on Tate, just circus catches. He's not a he's not a burner. He's not going to create any separation. But when you're 6'5", 225, and you got vines for arms, like you just throw it in a zip code. You know he doesn't need separation. Um, so he's been a pleasant surprise, I think. Uh, and then Kaderil Hodge, I would say, just very solid. Like he catches mm-hmm. everything they throw at him. He's not really like a big time threat, but as like your wide receiver five, who's going to play special teams, and he's an elite yeah. gunner. Like he's one of the best gunners in the NFL. He's your Justin like, Hardy role. Yes, like he's and I think he might be a better receiver than Justin Hardy slightly, but Mm -hmm. like um, it's Eric Weems, it's Justin Hardy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like that that type of that's that's like he's shown that he's perfectly capable of being that type of level of receiver. Like he can step in and play wide receiver three, four for a game and your offense isn't going to fall apart. Um, So that top five, you know, and then Demir Bird, he hasn't been involved as much as I thought he would be so far, but he's definitely caught some good passes. You can tell he's got the deep speed. And like mm-hmm. again, like with with him probably being one of their featured deep threats, that's the part that's going to come last. So I'm expecting maybe more from him as training camp goes on and they incorporate more deep shots and more stuff. But um, so, you know, that six, that group of six guys and Geronimo Allison is in the mix there as well. Clearly, he got upgraded to that like one, two group of receivers. So he's in the mix there, too. Um, I think that you pick five or six of those guys from that group and you've got a, 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 at least an average NFL receiving core and considering yeah. how the offseason began that's like almost a small miracle at this point so um <laughs> and there's also a guy named Kyle Pitts we should talk about too so yeah exactly uh yeah it's it's not going to be necessarily a ton of household names but I think that the some of the products there can be a little bit better than maybe people were expecting I I'm bullish on Demir Bird I agree with you I think that it wouldn't shock me if in the second playoff game he has a 63 yard touchdown or something like it feels like that's the type of player that he is where he has, you know, what I saw from him yesterday was solid. It wasn't a high usage role, but when he was called upon, he, um, he did it. You'll forgive us for not necessarily touching on the running backs, um, a little bit because the pads have not come on yet. Frankly, the offensive defensive line is just really hard and running backs. It's hard to gauge without the, the pads on. I will mention though, that when I asked Arthur Smith about, Jake Matthews uh, leadership. I was not surprised that he then brought up Grady Jarrett's name as another player on this team with leadership capabilities. But at the very, very end, he snuck in also Damian Williams. And I was like, oh, okay. I kind of perked up yeah. a little bit. So file that away, everybody. Damian Williams, I guess, at least catching the uh, the coaching staff's eye in terms of 
his veteran leadership for a, a group that needs it. But Kyle Pitts looks so fluid out there. Uh, looks like really, really sharp. I like where his mindset is at. You know, he was asked about, um, I think it was Josh Kendall asked him kind of about the league pass, the NBA league passness of this Falcons team, which I wholeheartedly endorse. I think that this is going to be a flawed but fun team to watch. And Kyle Pitts, or Kyle Pitts wasn't really having any of it. Uh, he was kind of like, hey, I want to win games. You know, we can look good and we can be entertaining. I want to win at the end of the day. What did you see from the second year tight end? Because it kind of it feels a little eye of the tigerish to me out there after only seeing one day of practice. It's been like that every day. He's unstoppable. <laughs> Good. Um, one on ones. It's just not fair, man. Um, he's Tabor grabbed the shit out of him. Like he just grabbed. Like I mean, I I I told I was talking to you yeah. or out on the sideline. I was like, I, I think it was John Dayton too. I was like, look, that's what I do. Like I have no it, chance at covering just this a flag man. Like, I would just grab the shit. Yeah, yep. I would just grab it and just hold on for dear life. And that didn't even help. Like you could tell he's worked on the technique stuff. He cleared hands immediately. It was mm -hmm. like a pass rush move. He just whipped his hand around. Tease Tabor had no chance. Easy. It was the most. Like, it was the most impressive, yeah. like four yard completion that I think I've yes. ever seen. <laughs> it was like ah, oh, ah, oh, oh, like you know, it, it was like man, this four yard catch is gonna be a great clip just because of how like technical yes. this little route yes. was. Um, but that little route when you're facing press, you know, for a first down, yeah, that's third vital. and three, you got to get that. Yeah, right. it's vital. Um, and I mean, it was it was not fair. Like he, I mean, he just dusted every single person that tried to cover him. Richie Grant, who we'll talk about, I'm sure, is the only mm -hmm. guy I think that's really been able to cover Kyle Pitts one-on-one. Um, -on -one. He's done a good job. You know, I, Kyle Pitts is obviously winning the majority of those matchups still, but <laughs> just like when Julio was here, you have to grade things differently when they play against that guy. Like, right. you don't say like, oh, well, you know, Jalen Hawkins got beat by Kyle Pitts, so he must suck. It's like, no, like if you if you beat Kyle Pitts, then we're like, oh, you must be really good. It's it's right. sort of you have to grade things on a curve there. But everything you've wanted to see from Kyle Pitts, you've seen it. He looks more comfortable. He looks in control. He looks awesome. He, I mean, he looks like this guy is one of a kind out there. You can see when he comes on the field. Um, it's just it's different. Um, and the, the sky's the limit for him. We know that. That's why he was the fourth overall pick. Uh, and, you know, we'll see if, if he can overcome surroundings and overcome expectations this year to to have a, a better second year. But, yeah, I mean, that even in a low-volume passing offense, Kyle Pitts could be a 12, 13, 1,400-yard tight end. Um, I mean, you, you don't see players like this. For all intents and purposes, I would just put an R next to his name. Like He's just a receiver. He's going to go catch the ball. It doesn't <laughs> matter where he's playing or what he's doing. Yeah. He's going to go catch it. Um, and it's, it's been impressive. He's been one of the most fun guys to watch for sure. And again, you know, definitely a lot of goal line red zone work on Saturday. And it seems like Kyle Pitts, they, they are very much interested in getting message, him the folks. ball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, and I can also just envision like a, a trip set with, with Drake London, Auden Tate, Kyle Pitts, two picks, somebody running a quick out, boom, balls there. Touchdown. Yeah. Easy money. They, right? just, like it, they just all go stand up at the back of the end zone and say, like, how many tall guys do you have on your team? <laughs> We're just going to go stand in the back of the end zone and, and put our hands and up. Yep. And yep. Yep. And we'll just see how, how high you can jump. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a basketball team. But yeah, I, your yep. point, your point about grading kind of on a curve and and the competition level, which is one of the reasons why I really like the fact that they are now doing more joint practices because you you get a different sense of different players and how you stack up against them. But everybody's being, you know, compared to Kyle Pitts from a defensive standpoint. All right. When you go up against Kyle Pitts, how are you doing? Defensively, AJ Terrell is, is that guy. And there was, you know, for the, the dusting of uh, Mike Ford that Drake London had, uh, there was a play where AJ Terrell was absolutely step for step in his hip pocket, ran the route almost for him and just broke up a pass that was right at the the pylon in uh, in the end zone. And I was like, all right, well, Drake London st still really good. Still still making plays against everybody else. That just is how special AJ Terrell is defensively. I think the secondary was maybe my main takeaway from yesterday's practice. You mentioned Richie Grant, Jalen Hawkins. I thought they both played really well. Casey Hayward and AJ Terrell. I have no concerns there. What have you seen from the secondary the first four days overall? Yeah, I mean, Richie Grant, I think, consistently has been the best player in the secondary, which should make everyone really happy. That's um, huge. Yep. All the haters, I'm cashing those receipts now. Um, you know, no, We got to see it in a real game, obviously. But 
from day one, it was Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins being the starting safeties. And we wanted to see that last year for whatever reason, they decided they weren't ready. That's they're the starting safeties. Now it's unquestioned. Um, they are the top two guys. They're always playing together. Like that's as clear a sign as mm-hmm. you can take that. These guys are the starters. Um, and it's all obviously nice to have two safeties like Eric Harris and Dean Marlowe behind them that like, if you need a third safety to play or you need yeah. someone to step in, these are experienced, think, solid starter Harris veterans. Is so the sixth man off the bench for this defense. Yeah. yeah. And like, that's great. Like that depth is very good. Those guys are super reliable. They're going to be able to play, you know, for you if you need it, but they're not Jalen Hawkins and Richie Grant and Richie Grant. It's not just coverage. Like they're not doing full tackling, but it seems like almost every clip I watch when I see someone come flying in from off the frame, it's Richie Grant flying in to, to break up the pass or to get there. You know, they just sort of tap, you know, the, the, it's like two hand touch almost at this point, but they sort of get in there and tap and it's Richie Grant's always there. Um, he's playing closer <laughs> to the line of scrimmage. He's making plays, you know, he that odd and take catch. If you really watch closely, Richie Grant reads it just right. Um, and he's he's backing up and it's like a fingertip away from Grant breaking that pass up. But odd and Tate has vines for arms. Like I said, like this man is <laughs> massive one handed grab in the end zone, like perfect pass just at it. Should we but start calling him right there? Are we yeah, going to start? We should Let's ask start. him. We should ask Groot. him what he what he wants. Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> that's, that, that's a good one. Work. I don't. Well, yeah, you know, that's true. We it has to be organic, I think. But I think Groot is a strong contender at this point yeah. in the offseason, in the training camp process. But um, <laughs> he's been he's Grant has been exactly what you were hoping for. Um, he's going to make I, I have a feeling he's going to make everyone who was like, oh, why did we take this guy in the second round? Look silly this year um, because it, he looks good, you know, and it's not just because he's a UCF great hashtag charge on. Um, but, you know, uh, he. I think he looks really good. Jalen Hawkins is also looked good. Um, I think he's he's done what you want. I mean, he got beat by Kyle Pitts a few times yesterday, but again, great on a curve. This is a safety one on one versus Kyle Pitts. Like this is not you know if the defense gets the if the offense gets that alignment where you got Kyle Pitts and man coverage against a safety, like that's a W. Like so that that's part of how this offense is going to work. That's part of why Arthur Smith had so much success in Tennessee. They're going to move guys around, and we saw it all the time. Mm-hmm. they're going to put the defense in a bind like you're going to have a fullback's going to be out wide so what do you do like do <laughs> right. you move a linebacker over or is your or because a lot of defenses whoever's the widest the corner takes them so mm-hmm. we've seen this before this offense is going to put stress on your defense with those alignments and like you know if a, if a safety gets matched up on hawkins uh well Hawkins gets matched up on Pitts, it's a tough it's a tough matchup and um you know, I think he's done as well as expected. Uh, he's also looked really good in one-on-ones against like normal human beings. Um, so, uh, <laughs> like, you know, there's no concern there. Um, but the, the rest of the secondary, AJ Terrell's awesome. Absolutely no complaints. Uh, you feel? <laughs> I feel like he doesn't get. It's just like Grady Jarrett, AJ Terrell, Casey Herod. These guys, like, they play in teams, but then they're like, okay, go go take a break, guys. We want to actually see people that we like want to evaluate out here. Right. You know? Yeah. Like, Richie Grant, Jalen Hawkins are playing a lot. Like um but like those top guys it's like we know we know okay like you guys are great thank you like please go just hang out um and the the other guys look like mike ford i think has been way better than expected playing a lot of starting reps at the slot as sort of yeah. isaiah Oliver comes back to full strength slowly right. um d alford look he got mossed by drake london but he was right there uh mm-hmm. and he had a great pass breakup too on another play um, so like, you know, they, they have some cornerbacks that are emerging Darren Hall, the poor guy, he was like a fingertip away from a bunch of great plays earlier in camp ended up getting beat instead and sort of dunked on yesterday. I thought he had a couple good pass breakups, so he's, he's been fine as well. Um, yep. you know, it seems like they're moving him more to the outside with Mike Ford emerging as a slot guy and the presence of Isaiah Oliver. Um, so, so Hall's playing a little bit more on the outside than he did last year, um, which I think is fine. So it's been interesting. I think the secondary is probably still going to be the strongest part of the defense. Um, and everything we've seen so far is encouraging. The summer of the secondary continues. And I... Not I, secondary summer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I totally... I love the, um, you know, that whole kind of, all right, guys, it's it's not even fair, really, when you're, when you're going against a Grady or you're going against an AJ Terrell or whatever. And I, it just reminds me of, you know, those like videos that will always circulate every, you know, few months or, or maybe during the summer during the NBA offseason, but it's like Joel Embiid at a at a camp with like 
50 elementary school kids and then they get like one kid who tries to score on him and he just like blocks the ball into the first row of the stands like that's almost what it's like going against AJ Terrell except these are NFL players in in camp so far so that is is really encouraging to see because he has certainly um, not missed a beat at all the linebackers and I spoke with Michael Walker um, you know a personal favorite of mine and I will continue to push for him to get more playing time but I asked him about, you know, last season and, you know, kind of year two, you're, you're getting a little bit, you know, your feet under you, you expect to have a bigger role and it, it didn't feel like he did. And it kind of felt like the the team was taking it a little slowly with him. And he said that he was frustrated at times by that, um, but that he tried to stay ready, stay prepared when he got called on, make, make plays, which he did to his credit. I mean, he, he made a lot of plays when he got in there, but he also understood Hey, I'm behind Foye Luke and the NFL's leading tackler and Deion Jones, uh, you know, a former pro bowler. Like he got where he was at. That's no longer the case so far in camp with Deion Jones on the on the pup list and Foye in Jacksonville. He's been out there with Rashawn Evans as kind of their middle linebackers. And then the other two starters on the outside, Lorenzo Carter and Arnold Ebicati so far. I liked what they were doing with the linebackers yesterday. Uh, and and I assume that it's been kind of the same throughout camp, but they blitzed a lot more than I think I've ever seen the Falcons do in training camp. Dan Quinn, not a huge blitzer to begin with, but certainly not in camp. That wasn't, they they were doing more like five man fronts and like six man fronts than they were blitzing. Rashawn Evans probably would have gotten home on Marcus Mariota on a, on a sack yesterday that ended up being, I guess, counted as a touchdown for the offense. But I like what they're doing with the linebackers. Again, kind of not many household names in the group, but what did you see from from both the starters and then obviously the younger guys like Troy Anderson and and those guys behind them? Uh, what did you see from the linebackers? Yeah, I was surprised at first that Rayshon Evans was the the sort of he and Michael Walker were the starters, but Rayshon Evans was the one that didn't really leave the field. And I thought due mm-hmm. to his sort of coverage limitations, you know, he's not an awful coverage linebacker, but he's not a plus for you there. Um I figured Nick Kwiatkowski would come on more in coverage, but really, and you you touched on it, like they want to blitz Rayshon Evans. And that was a part of his game that Tennessee did not really yeah. utilize effectively after Dean Pease left. Um, what did he have, like four and a half sacks one year with Dean Pease or something like that? Like yeah. Rayshon Evans is a great blitzer. He's a great run defender. Um, he's not a good coverage player. So if he's going to be out there on third downs, this dude's blitzing. Um, or he's going to go sit in a zone or something and just put his arms up because he's got, he's got pretty good arm length. But I was surprised by that, but it and Dean Pease touched on this in his conference, right? This is going to this is not going to be last year's defense. They're going to be aggressive like they're like, OK, maybe we're not going to be good, but we're going to be fun and we're going to go get it. Like if we're going to get beat, we're going to go beat swinging um, and they're going to blitz. They're going to blitz the shit out of people like uh, which yeah, Dean yeah. Pease has done at various times in his in his tenures uh, where they've not necessarily had tremendous fronts like like front four, front five talent they blitzed to, to overcome that deficit. And I think the Falcons are absolutely going to do that this year. Rayshon Evans is very good at it, as you touched on. I think Michael Walker has potential there. Nick Kwiatkowski yep. has done a good job there as well. Um, and Troy Anderson, as soon as this guy gets up to speed, oh my God, like he could be absolutely lethal. Um, no matter what you want to do. I mean, there was there was a, 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 a rep. He was playing a one-on-one against Avery Williams. Avery Williams was a 4-3-8. This dude's like 5-8. 200 pounds yeah a little jitterbug right? you know yeah troy anderson's like six three and a half and 245 250 he looks like a superhero so this is the one <laughs> yes this is the one this is the one-on-one and it's like oh wow this is not really a great matchup for troy like i don't know that i've ever seen a linebacker move like that like if you see if you watch that rep it's on my twitter guys um at falcola kevin he was yeah at falcola kevin on twitter by the way you know shout out um <laughs> He stays right in Avery Williams' hip pocket on the cut. Like this, he he moves with him. He's fluid in stride. Um, Williams comes down with the catch, which I mean as a compliment to Williams. Like Anderson was all over him, um, and Williams has ma- manages to come down with the ball. And shout out to a- Avery Williams, who has shown that he is a very good pass catcher. Um, that's probably going to be his bread and butter on on mm-hmm. offense if he plays. Uh, but like it. Anderson is a special athlete. You know, he had a touchdown saving play on a Mariota run on Friday. Mariota got free, was streaking down the field. And then you see, you know, it's like those, those, you know, gifts. It's like, you just see Troy Anderson come from out of the frame and just, <laughs> just come flying in 
and just push him out of bounds um, because he is that special, that rare of an athlete. And like, who knows how he'll look once the tackling starts, because that was his that was his thing. Like, he doesn't have great tackling technique. He doesn't really take smart angles. He's a tick slow to process because he's only played linebacker for like a year and a half. Um, but that athleticism is nuts and you can see it already. Like there, there's the sky is absolutely the limit. And when I say, I say that as like a fun thing, but like with Troy Anderson, there's <laughs> never been a linebacker like him ever. Um, you know, I don't know that there's any position that he couldn't play. Like if he put on 50 pounds, he'd probably be an elite tester at offensive line too. So, um, it's, a uh, it's really exciting to see what he can sort of grow into. Um, but I think that linebacker core you have, and I didn't mention Deion Jones because I think we all know his time just in up Atlanta in is probably over. It's yeah. probably over. Like, to be honest, um, I don't have any like insider information or anything like that, but I think given Dean P's press conference and <laughs> where there was maybe a subtweet of Deion Jones, maybe not. I don't know. It seemed like maybe there was, but, um, <laughs> What so he just for those fit. who weren't there, yeah. what 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 did Dean P say that you know I mean he was basically like I don't care what your salary cap number is. Like if you're not gonna go out there and bust ass, like you know, basically that's paraphrasing, but like right. that that was essentially what he said, and I don't know who else he could. The money money talk. doesn't drive our decisions. Yes, yes. Yeah. And um, you know, Aaron Freeman is very confident that Deion Jones will no longer be here. I d I don't know who told him that, but he doesn't usually say stuff like that. So that to me, I'm, I'm a little bit more inclined to believe it. Um, they're going to look for a trade partner for him. If they don't find one, they're probably going to cut him. Yeah. Um, because, and it's not just, it's not because Deion Jones sucks or something. He doesn't really fit this scheme super well. If, yeah. he, if he was going to play, he'd be like a sub package coverage guy. Um, maybe a blitzer, you know, but he just doesn't fit the scheme and they don't want to take reps away from these other guys. Like they don't want right. Michael Walker sitting on the bench. They don't want Troy Anderson sitting on the bench. Like would you re- like in the sub package situations where they'd put in Deion Jones, they probably would rather have Troy Anderson out there getting his experience. So that's yes. sort of, I think yeah. the situation and, there. And like when the, when you bring in a culture of accountability, right? Like at some point there has to be some casualties at, yep. because of that approach. And Obviously, we saw a a big um, exodus of former players kind of this offseason. But Deion Jones would would be, I think, fall under that category of, look, you know, we we came in here and, and uh, Mike Rothstein wrote a great piece on ESPN about how the Falcons have navigated kind of their salary cap um, limitations, I guess, since Terry Fondo and, and Arthur Smith took over. And, and basically, one part of that piece was that they came in here not with a total, you know, hostile takeover, I think is the way that he phrased it because he was talking about FedEx and obviously Arthur Smith's father being the owner of FedEx and just like likening it to corporate world where, you know, a, a company that takes over a competitor, slashes everybody, fires everybody, cleans house, starts it all new. Like that's not what they were trying to do this past year. They were trying to come in, get a lay of the land, get a feel for the players in here, see who could be a part of the future, all that. And Deion Jones maybe just had his worst season at the wrong time. Maybe that was part of it. Maybe they saw something in the building that they were like, all right, you know, this, this isn't the direction we're trying to go, whatever. Um, but I, I think that that it's not too hard to read the tea leaves here. And that's where I was kind of getting at where they've been very intentional. I think about the personalities that they are really bringing um, in the building. And I think that the defensive line is going to be another big part of that because a lot of people are are looking at, you know, hey, John Abraham's not walking through this door, right? So, like, how are they going to get sacks? I think the one part of that is Dean Pease is a coach who I think very much realizes that if you don't have the guys to just go toe-to-toe, you don't have the Legion of Boom where you can say, we're going to tell you that we're going to play cover three every single down and you still can't beat us because our guys are that good. This is the exact opposite. This is, we're going to create total chaos because we're at least going to try to level the playing field between the offense and the defense. And if the offense is more talented, we're going to drag you down into the muck with us and dirty it up. And you're not going to know where it's all coming from. And I think that that's going to benefit the defensive line a lot, because what I saw from them yesterday were guys who kind of almost had very singular roles and they weren't being asked to, all right, you know, you have to get to the quarterback kind of by yourself because there's only four guys coming here. It's you need to just take on this lineman because we got Rashawn Evans coming behind you to fill that gap. And when they had more of that single mentality, I felt like they really amped up their level of play and they did that job 
to a, a very high level. Um, so what have you seen defensive line wise? And I guess we can lump Arnold Ebicady kind of into this, even though I know he's technically an outside linebacker, but for whatever reason, I have a mental hurdle where I can't not think of him as a defensive end. Uh, so Arnold Ebicady and the defensive line as a whole, uh, anybody really standing out to you so far? Yeah, I mean, Lorenzo Carter is playing like maybe the most snaps of any defender, um, which is interesting. He's like kind of the clear yeah, edge is. one. He's playing a lot of coverage. He's playing a lot of run stop, like run support stuff. He's playing a lot of pass rushing. And it makes sense given his athletic profile and the fact that he's like probably the best coverage edge, which is a very niche thing, you know, obviously <laughs> very niche sort of role for him. Um, but like he is probably the best coverage edge rusher in the NFL. Um Poor wow. guy got dusted by Kyle Pitts, but you know, it is no edge. Even the best coverage edge cannot cover Kyle Pitts. Absolutely not. But um, like that's Lorenzo Carr. He's going to be versatile. He's going to play a ton of snaps. Um, obviously Grady Jarrett is amazing. Um, you won't, we won't get a full appreciation for him until the pads come on. Um, take one. Graham is playing with the starters. That's something to monitor. Um, yeah. Yep. Ade, Ade Ogundiji is still playing a lot of run like three, four alignment stuff. Um, he gets subbed out for Arnold Epicady a lot in pass rushing stuff, which is not surprising either. Yep. Um, and D'Angelo Malone, he plays sometimes with three, four, like they, they have two sort of pods of players. They have the one, two starters sort of pod. And then they have the three, four like depth pod. Um, and Malone two spends, I would fields. say, yeah. yes, on the two different practice fields. They also have combined sessions where they mix and match a lot, which I like, right. but, um, Malone is about 50-50 playing with the 1-2 pod and the 3-4 pod. He does, he has certainly gotten work with the starters. And people that were worried about him being undersized, he looks exactly the same size as Arnold Epicady. Like, they look exactly the same. So, Epicady's listed at 256 and Malone's listed at 240. They're both 250-something, I would imagine, mm-hmm. at this point. Now, you know, whether that holds up over training again, like, because these guys are losing pounds a day. I mean, when we had Anthony Rush on the show on Falcoholic Live, he was like, I lose like eight pounds a day of water weight. So I have to like really keep it up. Um, and it's because it's hot as hell out there. You yeah. know, it will experience it. You know, he's, he's experienced it just, a lot. Just watching <laughs> practice, man. I feel like yeah. I, it was the end of practice. I, mean, I, I was got, like, I haven't had water yet today. I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah, I put sunscreen on every day. My arm is burned. Like, I don't know what this, the sun is killing me out there. But um, so it's but Evicady is definitely playing 100 percent with the one two starters group. Mm-hmm. Um, but it. He had a pressure that forced a throwaway, I believe, yesterday. So that's always nice to see. Um, you know, it, it's Anthony Rush is the unquestioned nose tackle right now. Not a surprise. I think Marlon Davidson getting you know, a bit, a lot of uh, kind of news coming out early in camp that he's as healthy as maybe he's been in his NFL career, which is obviously a, a big, a big sign. Uh, you know, good news for him. This is also, and and this has nothing to do with specifically Marlon Davidson. I will just caution everybody listening that this is the organization's time to really push back against any narratives that have been developing during the off season when they don't have as much ability to get in front of a microphone and say, well, here, actually, this is what's going on. So you're going to hear a lot of positivity from the coaches. You're going to hear a lot of, you know, what they want to put out into the world and, and let everybody know that being said, Marlon Davidson running with the starters a good bit. Um, from what I saw and and seems like and Michael Walker also mentioned him, you know, when I was talking with him, said, you know, I look around, I see AJ Terrell, I see Jalen Hawkins behind me, I see Marlon Davidson in front of me. And it's like, all right, our freshman class, we're now juniors on this high school team. And and it's our team a little bit, you know, like we're now making an impact. And so I think it's very notable for, you know, the fans to to know that maybe this could be the best version of Marlon Davidson that we've seen so far in his career. And I think that that would be very, very beneficial for the defensive line. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm really pulling for Marlon. I I think he's really just had a, a lot of bad luck. Yep. If you watch his college tape, this dude is dynamic. He's a, he's a special athlete, not in terms of his testing, but necessary. like he had decent, like to good testing, but like, yeah. If you watch he's him play bending. at Auburn, he's he's bending off the edge of like 300 pounds. I mean, this yeah. is he's he is a unique body type, a unique body control sort of player. And he got COVID in his rookie year. He had the COVID offseason and everything. Then he mm-hmm. got hurt after that. Then he got hurt last year. It's like and played through injuries, which yeah, yeah, like a lot of players will tell you don't don't play through the injuries because the the organization doesn't necessarily always have your back. And if you put bad yep. tape out, then that's going to hurt your 
a bit, but like you give credit to a player, especially one early in his career for fighting through that. And that should be at least, you know, we should at least be giving him a little benefit of the doubt for that reason. Yeah, I agree. And, and like, we're all pulling for him, obviously. Um, I wouldn't say that he's made a ton of like standout plays, but again, like no pads, no Pick full six. pass rush. Tom Brady, baby. Hell yeah, that's gonna that would that keeps him on the roster for at least another year. <laughs> when you get if you get a pick, if you just get one pick six of Tom Brady every year, you could stay on the roster. Uh, yeah. I don't care what else you do. You could play play a better just five specialized snaps. role yeah. than just yep. like this is our Tom Brady pick six yeah. guy. <laughs> yeah. That's what in, that's what inundated Dean Jones with the fans, right? He get he just kept picking off Drew Brees. Drew Brees every time they played. So, you know, that that'll take you far with the Falcons fan base. It will. But uh it should. I like I'm I'm hopeful for for Marlon. I think he's they're counting on him to be a big part of this pass rushing group because they haven't brought in an, another really impactful pass rusher. They're sort of like Marlon, we need you, bud. <laughs> we, we need you to do this now. Um, and like Vincent Taylor is the other guy I would mention on the interior. Like veteran has flashed a lot in limited roles. Finally got a chance to start last year for the Texans. So you know it is the Texans. Uh, then got hurt in the first game, missed the whole season. So. He does seem to be healthy now. He, I think he missed almost all of OTAs in minicamp, or if not all of it, re- still rehabbing from his injury. He's working with the starters too. Um, I, I think he's going to make the roster. So mm-hmm. he's a guy that has p- potential as a pass rushing guy as well. And you need a couple of those guys to rotate in. So um, will this be a great interior? No. Grady Jarrett is awesome. And he will continue to be awesome. But can it be like passable? I think so. So that that's the hope. Yeah, again, I think this year is raising the floor of the team as a whole and figuring out which guys can pop, which guys can overperform compared to expectation. Um, But again, I don't want to make too much of the first four days of of training camp. You know, frankly, it's it's insane to me, like just all of the and you're the number one uh, offender of this this rule, but just like the play by play. And I'm like, it's day two of training camp. What is happening? But oh, yeah. We all thank you for your uh, for your sacrifice. <laughs> you, um, if you look, if you guys don't want it, stop like it, just inhaling everything I, I send out. Yeah, I mean, it, ultimately, <laughs> it's not really meaningful. Like, I like to think that people are just starved for football. They just want to watch football. We all they want to watch drills like you guys are wanting. Like, I was like, I don't know if I need to upload these drills. No, you want you want the drills clearly. So <laughs> I'm going to keep up on the drills. But um, yeah, it's like don't read too much into any play or any one day of training camp. It's about stacking days it's about yes. you know incremental improvements right consistent stuff and bringing it into the preseason like because if they look like the the you know best team in the nfl through the first two weeks of camp and then they go to preseason against the lions and get their asses kicked like we're gonna really reevaluate everything i said over the past <laughs> two weeks so um there's multiple layers to this the training camp stuff is fun this is the first look we get it's right. obviously impactful um, and I try to be positive with these training camp guys. Like a lot of these undrafted guys are not going to make it. Okay. They're not going to yeah. make the team. They're not going to last in the NFL. The least I can do is give them some highlight reels for their, you know, for their family, for their friends. Uh, Jared Bernhardt's dad came up to me yesterday and was like, dude, thank you so much just for giving the clips and, and yeah, for lacrosse they- Twitter. Lacrosse Twitter is a thing <laughs> and they are, they are hyped about Jared Bernhardt. So, um, so that's, that's what I'm trying to do. And you know, it doesn't matter in the term of like an NFL season, like maybe not, probably not, but it's fun. You enjoy it. I know you're a connoisseur as well. So, you know, we're the sick, we're the sickos here just hanging on every single rep in training camp. But you know, what else would we be doing this time of year? Well, I'm, I'm very excited. I mean, Jared Bernhardt is, is one of my like most intriguing dudes to just kind of keep track of throughout camp. I think he's probably a practice squad lock just because of, of the, they love him. They love yeah, him. like the the a the newness to the game and b the potential of his athletic ability. So that's a player that perfectly perfectly fits the prototype of a practice squad player in the NFL. Um, but having said all of that about the the first four days about don't get too hyped, all of that stuff. What I saw on Saturday gave me a little bit more optimism and hope than I had expected to feel coming you know, leaving practice because I, you know, I, as much as I consider myself an optimist, I think I'm a little more skeptical and cynical when it comes to the NFL, partially because of the career profession that I've uh, decided to pursue, partially because I am a Falcons fan and I have been absolutely just shot 
full of holes all throughout my life by them. Um, but I, I, I'm kind of buying what they're selling right now. And is that the sense that you have after coming down and watching them for four days? I think so. I mean, I, I, I've always been on record as like, I think this team's going to win like six games. Um, I just don't think they're that bad. Like, I just really don't think they're that bad. Like, are they that good? Probably not, but like it, yeah, like people I think are like, they're going to be USA in today, more like two wins, two fucking wins. Sorry, you know, got to put the explicit <laughs> warning on this one now. My bad. This is how we go. All right. Um, two wins, man. Come on. Like, what the hell? Like, how many like the freaking Lions and Texans had two more than two wins last year? Those teams were yeah. I mean, the Lions were better than they'd expect. They were sort of a Falcons team that just lost a lot of those close games that they, they were in. But like the Texans were awful. Davis Mills was like the best player on that whole damn team. And then yeah. he, he he carried that corpse of a team to like three wins. So like um, GAC zone. Yep. It, it's just like, man, like to predict that bad of a season. And it's certainly within the range of outcomes for any team. But like without catastrophic injuries, I have a hard time seeing any NFL team win two games. It just it so rarely happens. It's really disrespectful, you know, <laughs> yeah. but um, and like. They're, they're going to win games. We saw last year, like. Obviously, one score games are a coin flip, but there are things you can do systematically in terms of your players, in terms of you, the way you play the game mm-hmm. to have an advantage. And one of those is having an amazing kicker in Young Way Koo. That is not going away. Like, sure, you could say the Falcons got lucky, but they have an amazing kicker that's going to be able yep. to win them those games at the end of the game. That that is not going to change. Right. And like, I mean, other than quarterback, what what position on this roster is worse? from 2021 like even with the loss of calvin yeah. ridley the receivers are better it's great they didn't even look that good in this scheme to be honest like and like i think he would have adjusted i think he would have caught mm-hmm. up and I, I think there's a non-zero chance that when he comes back next year that they do find a role for him and keep him around for a year because uh, is there <laughs> going to be a trade market for a guy that's just coming off a year-long suspension you know i don't think so um so why receivers better O-line's probably better by default, just if they bring in warm bodies. Um, They're at least more experienced. Yeah, in theory. Um, maybe that one you can say <laughs> is a push. You can say that's a push. We it's still got push. the rest of camp. I think running uh, back's a push as well. Yeah, I, I think Damian Williams has looked really good. So, um, like, he's been the best runner so far. They've given Coral Patterson, like, three carries total. So, like, that's... <laughs> really? You know, Coral Patterson's still fine. But, like, yeah. Damian Williams has been the best runner. He looks good. We know what he can do. Tyler Algier is interesting. So running back is at least the same, like tight end, probably better with Ferks. I think Ferks is a better fit for what Arthur Smith wants. And, you know, John defensively, I think, I think better defensively across the board. board, It's better, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's no, so it's like, you're saying that like, if you want to say this team's not going to win seven games again, and they got lucky, no argument here. They got lucky as hell. And and they had some (laughs) bad luck in games too, that they should have won like that freaking Redskins. Well, what is it? Commanders. The football team. Excuse me. Now, now the commanders, you know, I'm glad they changed the name for the record. It was not. You okay. just went through a hundred years of Washington football history. Yeah, I did. In, yeah, in I did. Three yeah. seconds. Um, yeah, I'm glad that it is no longer the racist name and is now the, the, uh, the correct, you know, WFT. It was way too close to WTF. That would have been meme central. So like in some ways I'm sad that they changed that, but commanders, no. it's okay. It's okay. But, um, you know, it's, like, come on, man. Like, they, they people are like, oh, the Falcons are so much worse than last year. They're not. Like, I think there's and, a real <laughs> chance that they finish with a worse record, but we yes, feel I think better so. about the team. That's I, exactly, like, I think, exactly I think right. there's going to be games like the Cleveland Browns. If, if they lose that game 28 24, you know, obviously the way that that game unfolds adds context to the way that we feel, but I think that the, we're not going to see these. 35 to like 13 games that you saw sometimes against the NFL's top teams last year. I think they're going to close that gap. And I think just by nature of how this sport plays out, how the ball bounces, sometimes they're probably not going to go seven and zero in one score games. That just doesn't happen. That's not replicable. If they go five and two in those games and they're a little better in the games against the best teams in the league, that probably all equals out to five or six wins but a better feeling about the future and where this team is heading. And so that's kind of the mindset, I think, coming out of the first four days of camp, going into the season, that would be really beneficial for a lot of fans to have. Yeah, 
that that's exactly where I'm at. This team is probably not going to win as many games, but we're they're going to be a better team. They're yeah. going to we're going to come away from this season feeling like there's some sort of direction that we can follow, hopefully a positive one. Um I'm coming even, out of this season they, regardless. I'm diving <laughs> into the money pile like Scrooge oh, yeah. McDuck. Oh like, yeah, that's what, yeah. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> that I'm looking forward to that content. We got some free like it's the last two years. It's been a barren wasteland. Like oh, yeah. they could sign like these three, you know, cheap veterans coming off down years or whatever. <laughs> yep, you know, big time Bradley Pinion. You know, it, no, no <laughs> offense to Bradley Pinion. I'm happy you're here, but um, but uh, it, it man, it's uh, this is going to be a better team overall this year. They may not be better in the win column. In fact, they'll probably be worse. Almost certainly. This is a really hard schedule, like insanely hard. Last year was a cakewalk in comparison to this. Um, so like they could be this year's Lions. That's sort of what I'm I'm thinking. Um, like last year, the Lions were competitive in almost every game. They lost most of them. You know, they had like the number two pick. Mm-hmm. That could be the Falcons this year, where it's like now you see how people talk about the Lions, a team that finished with a way worse record than the Falcons last year. Have Jared Goff at quarterback, who, let's be honest, is not necessarily inspiring a lot of confidence anywhere. But because they played all these close games, everyone's like, oh, they're going to bounce back. They're going to bounce right. back. They're going to have a good season this year. The Falcons are like very similar to the Lions in that the quarterback is maybe a little bit questionable or it, maybe questionable is not the right word. It's just, you know, maybe this is not your long term guy necessarily. Yeah. Um, and they've got the the building blocks for a new era. But they're not quite there yet. But you're hoping mm-hmm. that they can show some moxie, show some fight, be competitive in games, be a fun team, be a team that's like, even if they're like three and ten at some point, like every every team that they go against is like, oh, this is not a pushover game. Like they're three and ten, but every article is going to be like, oh, the Falcons are three and ten, but they're spicy. You know, they've only lost like unlike last year where they were like had a winning record at point with like a negative 60 point differential or something or well they didn't ever have a winning record but they were like close to 500 with like this ridiculous point differential that's like never been replicated before (laughs) um you know it's like it's not gonna be like that it's gonna be like oh this team is like close to a 500 level point differential but they've only won four games or something like that and yeah that's that's what we're maybe probably looking at this year but i think that will be more fun both in terms of like they won a lot of meaningless games last year. They won a lot of very frustrating games last year. This year, they're probably going to lose a lot of games that maybe they shouldn't have any business being in, you know, and, but it, it might not, it might be close. And I, I think, you know, fans are, we'll probably be talking about tanking at some point, you know, <laughs> they're not going to tank. They're not going to do that. Um, they definitely going to be, in, you know, right now I would say like people ask me, it's like, what pick do you think they'll have? I think they'll have the fifth pick. I think they'll have the fifth overall pick. Um, so that means probably between like four and seven wins, maybe a little, maybe a few, a little bit fewer, like three and seven, somewhere three and six, you know, somewhere in that range. Yeah, that sounds about um, right. So that's that's where I'm sort of at. And I do think Desmond Ritter will play at some point when they get eliminated from the playoffs. Um, I don't think it'll be because Marcus Mariota is bad. I think it'll be because they're eliminated from the playoffs and they need to see what Ritter can do. Um, and if Mar- Mariota has been really good, maybe they just want to make sure he doesn't get hurt. You know, like, oh, the season's over. We're out of the playoffs. Let's see what Ritter can do. We're going to keep Mariota on ice with like the idea that like, actually we we're actually willing to pay you the 14 million team option next year. Cause you were good enough to that. That's a bargain. Um, and you know, they, they want to see what they got in Ritter too. Um, and then you go into next year with two guys you like, hopefully that could be, that's maybe the best case scenario, right? That, that Mariota is good. Yeah. They might stop, might not still make the playoffs. Like Mariota is good and then Ritter looks good. And then it's like, oh, well, now we have a QB controversy with two good quarterbacks. That's the best no, kind of QB don't. controversy. You don't. Mariota's <laughs> gone and and then Desmond Ritter is your starter. <laughs> well, maybe um, that's the best scenario, but yeah. Yeah. If they're a thousand piece puzzle, I think like two hundred of the pieces have been filled in at this point. Yeah. And and it's still a process to go. Um, but they're getting closer, I think, to really kind of realizing the vision. Um, a little bit of a time or a little bit at a time. But Kevin, thank you for filling in uh, the bigger picture for us over the first four days of camp. Everybody, please um, follow Kevin at Falcola Kevin on Twitter to keep up with all of the the great stuff that he's got coming out of camp practices. Uh, he'll be there again Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, correct? Yep. Before mm-hmm. making the trek back home. Um, and please check out the Falcolic as well, where you can find all of the great coverage of training camp and throughout the season. 
Uh, as always, today's episode was presented by Bet Online. Kevin, thank you so much for joining me. This was awesome. And everybody, please take care. And we'll see you again later this week with more Falcons training camp coverage. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.